We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are live. It is the Saturday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Rob Doster. I am going to be hosting the show. I'm thrilled to be joined by my lovely, lovely co-host, Randolph Childress, Wake Forest legend, uh, and that guy you see uh, to my left wearing his Big Blue Nation shirt. I think someone is uh, – I'm not sure that anyone is more fired up for uh, for the performance at Kentucky today uh, than the one and only Jeff Goodman. What's going on, guys? How we doing? Hey, man. All's good, man. All's good. Like, we got to come with more energy here. Kentucky is relevant again. Like, they're back. <laughs> they're back. Big Blue Nation. Yes. I'm excited. I right, Can you tell? I, I really am excited because contrary to popular belief that I hate Kentucky and this and I hate Calipari, but we made peace before the, the season and I spent some time down there in Lexington. I root for this team. I do. I root for, I love Oscar. First of all, he is a stud um, and he's fun. He's just dancing at the end of the game, plays so damn hard. He's making elbow jumpers now. Like he, he, he honestly, and then you got severe Wheeler who's been crucified. He can't make a shot from three. Well, he didn't need to today. He just dominated the game from start, you know, really start to finish, but at the outset, he he dominated on both ends. Yeah, he was he was really really good today, and it was a stark contrast to the performance that we saw from him against uh, Notre Dame. Just uh, what was that a week ago? Um, I, I, let me ask you this, Randolph. Uh, the final score of that game was um, Kentucky won ninety eight to sixty nine. Uh, are, are you coming out of that? Are you are you more impressed with what Kentucky was able to do? Or are you kind of looking at North Carolina like what what was that performance? What did we just see out of the Tar Heels? Where what, what does this say more about? As Jeff was high as he was on Kentucky, I was I was completely shocked and disappointed in, in Carolina. I mean, I, I thought they were soft. I didn't think they came. I didn't think they competed. Uh, I mean, you know, Armando Baycock, you know, had a double-double. I thought he was pretty good for him today. But other than that, I just didn't think their guards competed. I thought that would be a strength of theirs. They didn't show up. Severe Willard got whatever he wanted. I mean, he had 26 today. And did he make a shot outside of five feet? I mean, just oh. constantly getting to the rim, lay up, lay up, lay up. There was no resistance. Uh, I, you know, I was high on that team coming in, but I, right now I'm not. I think they got to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, the thing that's frustrating to me about it the, for, with the performance from North Carolina is it felt like they had actually kind of right. figured out some right. of their defensive issues in recent Why? games. Why? Well, we saw, well, we saw Tennessee put up 89 on them, and then they, yeah. they, went, they beat the brakes off a of Michigan team. Like, maybe Michigan's right. How good is terrible. Michigan? How good is Michigan? They might be terrible. Right. <laughs> like they're they're probably if they can only put up fifty one points against that North Carolina that we just watched, right. like, they might be right. the worst team in in, in college. There's, no, there's, there's, there's no way we thought Kentucky was thirty points better than Carolina. And, no. and I'll say this: no. I, in, in the you're talking, I first came in this league almost thirty years ago. I mean, twenty five years ago, and I've never seen a Carolina team get beat by eighteen on a glass. I mean, they got embarrassed on the glass. And they've been for years the number one rebounding team in the country for years. That was the stat line. You can just count it. They were going to be a top five rebounding team in the country. And to come yeah. out and get pummeled like that on the glass, they just I got mean, punked that on was, the glass. That's their entire identity under Roy Williams. Like his, his entire philosophy was we're going to yes. get every single rebound because if you get every single rebound, you're going to get more possessions than your opponent. 
and they got their asses kicked on the glass. And then the worst part about it for me was it felt like there was no fight. I know, I know we pivoted this a little bit from like a Kentucky conversation to a North Carolina conversation, but I really do feel like this game said no, more about North Carolina than it did about Kentucky because I, I just – I get very worried about teams that get punched in the mouth and they just lay down and die. Because right. that, that's, what, that's what North Carolina did. Right. You know, the, the, the big thing to me, Rob and I were there that Tennessee game, and they were so soft right now. Mohegan Sun, they, they fought against Purdue. They actually did, and, and I think we walked away from that first day thinking, you know what, maybe they're a little better than we give them credit for. And, and then this, they laid an egg against Tennessee and did not compete at all. And it was really their bigs that I walked away saying they're so soft. They don't compete. You know, each like Baycock competed a little bit today. I'll give him credit. He was kind of the one guy on that team that showed up today. Their guards were terrible. And they're too talented for that. They're not freshmen. And then you got Brady Manick, who's a veteran. Dotson Garcia, who's played a year in the Big East. Those guys just absolutely did nothing today and put up any sort of resistance. That's no. the saddest part of it for no. Carolina. Those four, those bigs were supposed to come in and be skilled guys and get out of traditional physical post guys. And if they're going to come and give you six points – you know, and, and not show up in seven points. They gave you 13 combined today. That's just not going to cut it. If you're not going to bring toughness, you're not going to rebound, then he's better off going completely small ball, putting Leaky Black at the four, and then just running and gunning and playing. He's better off doing that. He may that eventually, because at least he, he has field to. Guard. He has to. He has to. Right. Because Leaky will compete. He's the one guy that he throws on the floor that's not looking for his offense. He's looking to do other things. He needs to play him more. He's probably going to have to put him at the four and Armando at the five. And if those guys play well, you play him. If they don't, you got to sit him down. But they can't play like this. And that was the you one gotta, thing you got to establish. Them. You got to establish like some sort of toughness right now. Like even if you lose, like lose playing tough. Don't lose being soft. Right. Yeah. I, I mean that. To me, that that is the takeaway with this team, right? Like they're they're. I remember, Jeff, I mentioned this at the uh, when we were at the Hall of Fame Classic. An NBA scout told me at that event, like, it's, he doesn't like watching them play because it's just a bunch of selfish dudes out there, right? And when you see them kind of roll over and die like this and not fight for the jersey, not fight for the name on the front, just kind of say, yeah, you know what, whatever, we're going to get 30-pieced on national television in a game that everybody is watching between two blue bloods, that that should not be acceptable. Like that. The, the idea that that is acceptable in that North Carolina program. When was the last time you saw him get beat like that? I honestly don't even know. We probably should have looked that up. Maybe our I mean, the Tennessee game, listen, the Tennessee game wasn't as bad because, again, the, the final margin wasn't as bad, but they were punked in that one too. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, they've been punked by two SEC teams that honestly aren't like high-powered SEC teams. That's the other part. Like Kentucky before today – we were wondering, is this even an NCAA tournament team? Well, you and they gave you up were, twenty rebounds to those guys. Twenty you, rebounds, you were, offensive rebounds to them. Like I, I, I don't recall ever saying that's usually what they do to other people. And I don't know if they're skilled enough to overcome it. I, I don't see the skill set. I thought even at guard play, if the guard play don't carry them, they don't, they don't get anything from the bench. I mean, this last year Walton's coming back, and he was a forty-two percent three-point shooter last year. This year he's in the low thirties. It just looked like a bunch of guys that only feel like they can impact the game by scoring, and yes. they're not doing it. Bingo. That is, like. that is it right there. That that's is it. it right there. They have a roster of guys that only want to go out there and score. Cool. And if they're not that's scoring cool. and they're not going out there and finding a way to get their own shots, uh, then there's they don't they don't really try. Like, who is out there who, who is out there letting it know that it's unacceptable for Sabrina Wheeler to just get wherever he wants to, he whenever wants to he wants to? Look, like, Notre Dame is not a good defensive program, right? They're, they're not they're, – they're known for a lot of things, right? They are not known for being a great defensive basketball team. And they were able to shut down Kentucky. They held Kentucky to 62 points. They made Severe Wheeler look like it was Jeff Goodman out there under the point. Right. They didn't guard him. They just played 15 feet off of him with Blake right. Wesley. And they said, yeah, go ahead, shoot. We dare you. That's the shot we want. And it completely messed up everything that Kentucky wanted to do. And then he comes out here against North Carolina, and he looks like Chris Paul. Like he was unbelievable in that game. 
What happened? I mean, think, I mean, think about Kellen Grady. Kyle Perry just blasted him and said how he had played so many minutes he didn't get a rebound. He comes out the day in 18 and 6. Yep. I mean, so he let's, just let's, got blasted. Let's talk about Kentucky a little bit because we just we spent nine minutes ranting about North Carolina. Kentucky won. They won by 29. They picked well, up we, a – I, I don't we, know if it'll end up being a marquee win. Wait, wait, wait. Can we just put – let's put a bow on Carolina before we move on it to Kentucky. So, App State, and then they go into full-fledged league play. Okay, yeah. so they got App State at home Tuesday. Then they got a week off for Christmas. And then they got Virginia Tech at home, at BC, at Notre Dame. Is this is this a team that still has a chance to finish in the top three in the ACC and still get in the NCAA tournament, or are you writing them off? Because they don't have a lot on their resume other than a win against Michigan right now. That's it. I see. I still think that they can find a way to finish top three in the ACC, but that's mostly because I don't think that the ACC is like very good. Like I, looking at it right now, how many teams from the ACC like are going to get in the tournament? There's a very real scenario where we could end up with like two or three teams from the conference in the tournament. And I think that North Carolina might be end up being one of them because somebody has to win games. Like Duke might go out there and win 16, 18 games, whatever it is. Somebody else has to win games. There's going to be another team in the ACC that wins 14 games. And why wouldn't it be the team that has more talent than, than a lot of these other guys? So I, I do. Randolph, where do you stand? I, I think they'll make it. I, 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 I'm still holding out hope they'll figure it out. And I don't know if the other teams are big enough to just punk them the way Kentucky did today. There's no uh, – they're not going to play against another big, as dominant as Oscar. Big O was today. Uh, they're going to play against some guards. But uh, they're going to try to outscore people. I'm assuming they're going to make some type of adjustment. But they're, they're going to have to figure some things out. Either sit some guys down. Some guys go, you know, going not liking it, getting in the portal, whatever's going to happen. But there's got to be a change. I mean, getting pummeled on the glass, 20 offensive rebounds. I mean, I, I get there's a change in leadership, and you expect that. This isn't Roy's team. They're not, you know, they're changing that style of play. But these guys, the, the, the toughness is that can't change. The, the, what, what the, you know, what UNC stands for, it, it, that, that, that can't change. Jeff, let me, let me ask you this. Jeff, let me ask you this. Does North Carolina have the leadership in that program to be able to hold the guys accountable that need to be held accountable for the things that happened today? So I was, I was going to say we're 11 games into his tenure. I, I hate to say this, and it's not fair to say this, but I said it when he was hired. I would have hired Wes Miller. I'll say it over and over and over you again. Did say that. I did. I mean, listen, Hubert's the nicest dude in the world. Well, that doesn't mean I think he's the right guy for the job. And, and to be honest, I know Roy was loyal to Hubert. Hubert had been with him for a long time. Hubert had played at Carolina and been a star there. I get it all. You got to keep it in the family. I'm fine with keeping it in the family. Give it to the guy who's been a head coach, who's been a guy who's grinded it out his whole career, right? I mean, I remember Wes Miller when he was at New Hampton Prep. So, yeah, I, I am concerned. I am concerned that 11 games into Hubert Davis's career. And, and the other part, guys, here's what I'm concerned about. When you hire Jeff Lebo as an assistant on the road, yeah, that, that scares the hell out of me. That's the thing, his staff, okay? Brad Frederick's been on the road for a while, right? He was on the road at Mandy, then at Carolina. I'm fine with Brad Frederick. But you go get Jeff Lebo. Come on. What did Jeff Lebo what, – what has he done? He's not going to be able to recruit at a high level. He's not. And then you're bringing in Sean May and elevating him. He has never recruited. He's never been. I think Sean May is going to be really good one day, but not yet. And, and they're going to get, listen, my 18-year-old daughter can get players to Carolina. She right. can get top 50, 75 players. I'm convinced she could do that. But are you going to be able to get top 10, like, like elite players? Because that's what you're going to need to get Carolina back. Well, if they're not playing harder than this, it doesn't matter. I mean, Jeff, what one through 20, they're going to get talent there. But if they're going to play and compete like this, that's the only indictment. And I agree with you. It's tough. It's tough to say those things. I mean, I I know those guys and it's tough to say it about them. But when your team comes out, they're not competing. And and with the expect, it's Carolina. And you're going to get players there. But are you going to get the pros, the one and dones, all those guys? You got to – what I, I, my question is going to be, what is the identity under Hubert going to be? I think that's just a fair question. We know what it was under Roy. Was it going to be, you know, we got to give it time to change. Unfortunately, he's at a program where there's no patience for that. 
No, 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 zero. All right, let's let's pivot. Uh, we just we watched Auburn take care of business on the road at St. Louis. Now, um, the that game just went final. Auburn ended up winning. It was seventy four to seventy. They came back from thirteen points down in the second half. That's a really nice win uh, against a good St. Louis program. I want to talk about a different team in the SEC. We have not discussed Kentucky long enough. Uh, Goodman, I'm going to go to you first since you're wearing the big blue uh, nation. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm going to let you have this one first. You also got the Kentucky hat on behind you. Like, you're all in on UK right I'm now. all in. Yeah. Yeah. I was all in, and then I kind of was like, <laughs> oh, man, like this team, they haven't beat anybody. They lose to Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame's just okay this year. Um, so I was, I was worried about them because I don't think – obviously, we know their ceiling isn't as high as it's been in the past, but I thought their floor – was a lot higher, and it didn't look that way early. I thought right. they'd get out of gates well, uh, and I didn't think they'd have they'd have a hiccup against Notre Dame, and they really didn't play a whole lot else. Ohio, with all due respect to Jeff Bowles and and, and Ohio, you know that's their probably best win uh, before today. So I think this was huge for them, and they always yeah. do this, guys. They always kind of struggle early, but again, it's usually with freshmen, so you kind of have a reason. This year, I felt like. They didn't have as much of a reason, but and Randolph, you can you can speak to this. Like, you got a bunch of, of, of freshmen still, and you've got a bunch of transfers now, and right. a few holdovers that really didn't play huge roles in the past. I mean, Keon Brooks, you know, the one guy that probably did, but you know, bringing in Severe Wheeler and, and Oscar and Kellen Grady, and they've got to figure out this system, which is different than Planet Davidson or West Virginia or. Uh, Georgia, and then you throw in Ty Ty, who I think has really not been nearly as assertive as, right. as I thought he would be. That that's the biggest thing for me. Still, I want to see Ty Ty being just a killer and 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 going. And I think Cal does too. I don't know if he's going to get the touches enough though to be that. I think there's so it's so balanced, and so many guys are looking to score again. I, I just don't know if he's going to get the touches that we would like. I, I agree with you. I think he can flat out score it. And when he gets going, they're going to be that much better. I think he's going to be the guy that helps them going forward. But, I, but Rob, you, 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 know, you talked about it earlier with Notre Dame. The difference is people are going to scheme them. People yes. are going to scheme them. And I think that's the difference in the two is that they're being schemed. And Notre Dame said, hey, you know what? Will, I'm not guarding you on the three. You're going to have to shoot threes or I'm not guarding you. And then you take teams like today in Carolina, like say what you want, he's a blur. Now he's hard to stay in front of. And if you're not, if you're going to get up on him, he's going to go by you. Yeah, you got to back up. Get up and down he, like this. When you're playing he's like going this. 100 miles an hour. Yeah, you're not going to beat him doing that unless you got a rim protector and you're, you're speeding him up and he's making bad decisions. But if you're just going to sit there and let him get in the pain at will, Kentucky's going to be great. But if you back off and just say, hey, you shoot and we're living with you beating us in three then I think Kentucky will struggle. But he's getting in a pain at will. Finishing 12 or 15 today on layups, like that, that that's hard to do by yourself playing pickup. Yeah, the, the one thing I will say about Kentucky is that they are built around right now getting the ball into Oscar Sheway and letting the big fella work, right? Like that's kind of what their, their, their MO is. But my issue with them is this whole concept was like we're going to put shooters around the big fella this year. But I mean, you got Severe Wheeler out there, who's who's a guy you can just not guard, right? You got right. Keon Brooks at the four, who is not a shooter, right? He's someone that that like loves these little mid range pull ups that are contested. I, I don't, I don't love the shot selections that he has. Uh, Ty Ty has not been shooting the way that, uh, but he can shoot. He can, he can shoot. He can, he can score. He can, but he hasn't been he hasn't been like that guy yet. Kellen Grady got it going a little bit tonight. Um, Davion Mintz hasn't been shooting, but then like Damian Collins isn't a guy that you want really like kind of standing out there and shooting and Bryce Hopkins isn't making shots. So it's, it, it becomes something where you can kind of clog the lane on the big fellow that you're trying to get the ball to and operate through. And it limits what Oscar Shibwe to do. Like Oscar Shibwe is not Akeem Olajuwon, right? Oscar right. Shibwe is kind of, you get the ball, you, you got to find a way to get it to him five feet from the basket. So he could just turn a shoot. He's kind of like a Zach. He's not Trevion Williams. He's kind of like a Zachy. Um, and I'm just worried about whether or not they have enough shooting to be able to take advantage of that. Now, coaching can fix some of that stuff. We saw today right. with Purdue, right? Purdue, if you pressure them, you make them run their offense 40 feet away from the rim, it was difficult for them to do that against NC State and Rutgers. They kind of found something. They, they figured it out a little bit, getting the ball to Trevion Williams at the high post and letting him kind of run the point and run the offense. Um, but then we saw it against Butler. Like, Butler can't pressure them the way those teams can. 
and they won by 30. They blew them out. Right. So it's going to end up being kind of like a matchup by matchup thing, I think, with Kentucky, which is not necessarily where we expect this Kentucky team to be, but it just kind of is what it is with the way that this roster is built. Is that fair? If they had another guy that was the guy, and Oscar Shuey could just be a guy that kind of cleans up the class. He's already a monster rebounder of basketball, right? But if they had another guy on that front line, another guy that can just draw attention and allow him to get a free run, I, I, I think that they would be better. But they just don't. He's the, he's the guy, and, and you're right. He's not, you know, 10 points will be it, but a lot of that's off the glass, cleaning things up. He's not a guy you can just give the ball to and then clear out on the post. Mm-hmm. He's gotten better though. He's definitely yeah. gotten better in yeah. terms of being able to step out at least, keep minus from from the from the foul line. You know, like that'll help as he gets his confidence. But I'm with you. You know, we saw it today, and Cal said it over and over. I, I love how at the halftime interview he said, "You know, we're, we're doing it without our best player or something like that," as if his best player like had COVID and, and couldn't play. No, 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 your best player got in foul trouble, Cal. Like you did a good job without him, but there's a reason why he he, he played. He played in right. the game. So they don't they don't have a lot behind him to rebound. Right. And I think against a soft Carolina team, it didn't it didn't factor in. Yep. I think that's just kind of what it is. And it's what it's going to end up being with uh, Kentucky all season long. So we're going to find ourselves having a lot of these conversations. And at the end of the day, it's just going to they're they're a top 15 to 20 team on their best day. And it's going to be kind of a matchup dependent thing on how good uh, they end up looking. So, Jeff, I want to pivot real quick because the reason that this game took place um, yeah. is that there were a number of COVID cancellations, and there's it's, it's happened all across the sport. Uh, oh, Ohio State yeah. had to cancel um, and could not make it to the CBS Sports Classic. UCLA could not make it to the CBS Sports Classic. They lost their game against Alabama State. We've already canceled the Wednesday game. I believe we're up to – uh, at least 20 games have already been canceled, and that number is only going to end up going up as we get more positive tests. Uh, according to your reporting, I'm going to steal this number from you. 25 teams are currently canceling games or in a pause or however you want to end up yeah. phrasing it. There are 25 teams that are missing time because of uh, positive COVID tests. So I know you've, you made some calls. You've talked to some people. What do you know about the situation and what's going on right now? Yeah, I mean, listen, the big one we lost today was Memphis, Tennessee. And I talked to Rick Barnes uh, this morning, early afternoon, when I, I don't remember what time it was. And, you know, he was bummed out. He said, listen, I'll play if, if I got five, six guys. I don't care. He, you know, I had texted him, I think, at 930 in the morning and said, are we still on? And he said, yeah. And he called me. He's like, did you know something? I said, no, no, I didn't know something. I was just seeing if the game was still on. And, you know, 10 minutes later, he finds out that Memphis had popped a couple positives um, and wasn't going to play. And I think, you know, the hard part on these, and I talked to several coaches of, of teams that have had to go into pause right now. And here, here's the, the biggest issue right now is that if a kid says to a trainer that he doesn't feel well, that he's got, and the trainers are telling these kids, and Randolph knows this from, from last year even, trainers are telling these kids, Hey, tell us if you don't yeah. feel well, make sure you tell us yes. because that's their job, right? They got to protect their job and what they do. So anytime a kid's been conditioned now, all right, if I don't feel well, I got to tell the trainer. Well, as soon as he tells the trainer, the trainer then says, all right, well, you got to get tested, especially if it's not the first, you know, kid in the, in the program, or maybe there's been a coach or a walk on or assistant coach, whatever it is. So then he gets tested. And if he pops positive, then the trainer says, all right, you know what? We got to test everybody. And the only people that are getting tested right now regularly are unvaccinated guys. The vaccinated players are not getting tested anywhere until this stuff happens. Now, one coach told me, he said, now I think it's going to change because I think these kids now understand that if they go, they're going to have to test. They're going to pop a positive and we're going to be shut down. I think a lot of these kids uh, are not going to, they're going to be more uh, fearful and more reluctant to go to the trainers from here on out. So we'll see which way this heads, but I think unless that happens, nothing's going to change over the next few weeks. I think this number of 25, you know, Akron, Binghamton, Chicago state, Cleveland state, Colorado state. I mean, you go on and on here, that number of 25 is going to grow. 
The only difference from now, from last year, last year, remember, everybody had to sit for either 10 to 14 days. Now, at least you're talking about trying to do it within seven days. I'll add to that. You know, you know what else is going to happen, and you're right. It's just a CYA you know, mentality. You know, no one's going to, you know, God's going to say they're sick. The other thing they're going to have to be concerned about is the scheduling and pausing in it. Like, if your best player goes, somebody's like, wins are so precious right now yeah. that if my best player goes down, or I feel like, you know what, I don't want to go play without this particular player, you're going to see teams just, just you're going to see a lot of teams just forfeiting games or not playing games protecting themselves, particularly unless they're being forced to cause to, you know, is a forfeit. But if they're not being forced to forfeit, then I think they're going to just say, hey, my best player is out. I don't want to play without him. Well, did Memphis do that? Did Me- do we know? I, did my, Memphis I, I didn't want to accuse him, but, but you're right. right. I, I mean, it's just an honest assessment. Like, right. people are going to do that. Like, hey, if Jeff and Rob are out there, you know what? I don't want to go against anybody else without those guys. I'll right. sit these two week, this week out and then wait until I get my guys back. Then they're going to play. Wins are just too hard to come by, and coaches are getting crucified for losses and losing your better players to to to, to a positive test, even with the vaccination, and they're fine. They're not doing it. Well, we're gonna at some point we're gonna have to come to a reckoning, um, in, in not just in college basketball but in sports in general in this country, right. where we have to either things are gonna be as choppy and as messy as they've been for the last week, or people are going to have to accept that asymptomatic players, maybe they test positive. If they've been vaxxed, if they've been boosted, uh, you're probably going to have COVID positive players playing if you want things to run smoothly. Now, I honestly don't know how I feel about the situation, right? I, I, I don't want to wade into those waters because I don't know enough about Omicron or COVID or positive. Like I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor, right? But if we want things to run smoothly, we're going to have to accept that this is going to be a thing. And I, I don't think it's controversial to say that. Otherwise, it's going to be choppy. We're going to have cancellations. We're going to have the Brooklyn Nets signing 17 people off of some uh, G League squad to be able to go and play a game in the NBA. We're going to have random NFL games played on Tuesdays and Wednesdays because you have to find a way to fit it in. It's just it's it's the reality. Right like now. Last We're night. So last night I took my daughter to the, the Warriors Celtics game. And before the game, you know, we want to get over there and I told her, I said, we got to get in early. You got to watch Steph's routine. His pregame routine is better than the game in, in some respects. So we got in early, standing by the tunnel, and Steph comes by and, you know, he's auto- signing autographs. He's taking pictures. And all I'm thinking is, you know what? In like five days, Steph's probably going to be on the damn list. You know, like, like it's just the reality of the situation right now, the way this thing is spreading. And I don't think there's anything we can really do about it right now. My biggest question, guys, is Seton Hall. They, they, they're out right now, and they're supposed to play St. John's on Monday. DePaul's supposed to play Creighton on Monday. They're out. Those two teams are, are going to be 0-1 in the league because the Big East rule, and almost every league rule, is a forfeit. So, you know, DePaul, it's kind of a crushing blow to Tony Stubblefield, who's right. – they're rolling right now. What are they like? Nine and nine and one. Nine and one. Yeah, they got a chance this year, and you're gonna you're gonna start them out zero and one um, in in league play. Like, is that fair? And I, I talked to I, a big so East so here's the, here's the thing about it, Jeff. Here's the thing yeah. about it. It's if you have players that are vaccinated and boosted, and they're getting they're doing everything that they can to protect themselves, and they just happen to to pop a positive because the the way that whatever variant is spreading right now is uh, just super transmissible, then I don't think that that's something that should be, um, it's not fair. Be given a forward. It's, it, that's just, it's, it's, it's shitty luck is what it is. Yes, um, it's the yes. times that we're in, but if you have guys that are unvaccinated that are popping positives, that's a different story because you're not doing what you need to do to prepare and be ready to play those games. So it's, I think it's, most it's, of the, like, most of the teams though are, are, I think they are vaccinated. There's, yes, I think it goes, I think it goes back to, they don't want to know. And once they find out, I don't think they're testing and they don't want to know unless that player is sick. It's like it's like the concussion protocol. You, you, we, you, we, you tell players like, hey, if you get nicked in the head, get up and grab your shoulder or something. And, and you know, right. don't you grab your head. It's automatic. The doctor put, you know, that the doctor put you in, in, in your, you're getting a concussion test. Yep. So guys mm-hmm. would take the charges and they hit their head. You like get up, grab your shoulder, say you're tired. You do with anything. You just do not grab your head. Yeah. And I think that's what happened. They're, they're testing because they don't want to know. Once someone tests positive at any level, collegially or pro, they have to 
because nobody wants to deal with any legal ramification. Everyone's going to cover their ass and find out. If it happens and we don't know, that's a different story. But but once it, once you know, then you can't put them out there. The other question I have for you guys about it is, what happens from an NCAA time? So does this count as a loss come to tournament when, you, when you're reviewing the, the, the record wins and loss? Like, how is that going to play? And that's going to affect it. It won't. It won't count as a loss. But what it will do is think about this. If, if Seton Hall, for instance, what if, what if they have three players right now that are positive? Then they get hit with three more next week and three more the following week. And they go 0-5 to start the year. Well, right. my guess is the Big East is going to change that damn rule. Yeah, they're going to have to change their role. Before you make that point, though, um, I do just want to pivot real quick. We talked a little yeah. bit about Auburn getting their win. We are now going to be joined uh, by one of the stars of this Auburn team. He finished with 13 points tonight. He had four rebounds. He shot eight for 11 from the floor. Uh, it is freshman Jabari Smith, um, a six foot ten. Uh, potential top three pick in this year's uh, NBA draft class. And he should be joining us here um, in one second. Uh, I, I believe that he is, uh, he is in the such a good player, Rob. Like that's the thing about Jabari Smith is he's come out of the scene and everybody's talked about Paulo Bencaro and Chet Holmgren. And right. you know what? This kid has been every bit as good, if not better uh, than both of those guys. Jabari, how are you, man? Hello. Can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Good, good. Well, congrats. Congrats on the win, Jeff Goodman, Rob Dosser. And uh, the guy uh, the guy in the top right is a guy that could light it up back in the day. He's a little bit older, <laughs> but his name's Randolph Childress, and he was a stud at Wake Forest. So uh, I'm going to let him start. I'm going to defer to Randolph, my, my elder statesman here. He's a little bit older than me, I think. I'm going to give him that. I don't, I don't know about that one, Jeff. Maybe. I'm aging in dog years, though. Jabbar, I got a question for you. How much did the motivation coming out? You, we heard so much about Paulo. We heard so much about Chet. You have just you have been as good as any freshman, if not the best freshman in the country so far. Did that motivate you at all? Um, yeah, yeah, it kind of did. You know, being overlooked in high school and stuff. Not necessarily overlooked because I was ranked pretty high, but just, you know, people not just not seeing what I really can do, you know, and not having like the, the – um, just not being known as much as the other guys. So that really did. That was a big emphasis for me coming into my freshman season was just showing everybody what I already knew and is that I'm one of the top players in the country. How, how nice is that playing for a guy like Coach Pearl who kind of allows you to have that freedom and allows you to showcase what you'd like? I'm sure he's never told you that you've taken a bad shot when you're, uh, when you're pulling up from three. It's nice to play for a guy like that, right? Um, I feel like um, it just shows why I came here, you know, why Bruce Pearl is one of the best coaches in the country. Why he succeeds so much with, with certain players like that is because he lets players do what they can do. He doesn't put people in a box. He just, you know, lets players play how they play, let the game come to them. And one thing you're going to do is play defense. So that's why, that's why I love him, and that's why I came here. So you were three or five from three again tonight, Jabari, shooting 44% from three coming into the night. Yep. Um, that surprises me. Uh-huh. Again, I didn't see a lot, but I didn't know you could shoot the ball this well from three. Are you surprised by the success you've had from, from long distance? Um, no, I'm not really surprised. I know I can shoot the ball. Um, I feel like it's in my blood with my, with my dad. Um, just getting up shots when I was younger, getting up shots now. Uh, I know I can shoot the ball. It's not really surprised to me. Um, I hope I don't cool off. I hope I heat up. But uh, uh, I'm like how my job is feeling right now. Who's the better shooter between you and your dad? Oh, that's me now. It used to be him. <laughs> I used to couldn't touch him, but uh, I done figured it out a little bit. When was the last time you guys played one-on-one? One-on-one. That was probably my junior year. Then he stopped playing me after that. He really so you won, man. Who, yeah, who do you think you play like, Jabari? Who's the best comparison? When I was talking to Stephen Pearl back in the summer, and he was telling me, he's like, we got a stud here. Um, yeah. He compared you a little bit of KG. Who do you, uh-huh. who do you like? Um, I can't really single out nobody, but – it's hard to say Kevin Durant because he got a little bit more than me right now. But I just – I would just say – I really don't even – I don't he know. Said I K, hey, he said K, KG, not KD. KG okay, for yeah, how KG. hard you play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like my motor and my mentality would be like KG's. Yeah. I feel like my overall game would be – I can't really single out one player, honestly. 
What, what's your guys. what's your what's your trash talk? If you're gonna be like KG, you gotta have your your trash talk game. I don't think I got I don't think I got trash talk like KG, but uh, but no, nah, I don't think I got the trash talk like KG. But I'll talk a little bit. I, I got I got a little dog in me. Any personal goals for you for the remainder of the year? Is it is it to be SEC Player of the Year? Is it All Americans? Is there any? I know there's team goals, but what personal goals do you have for yourself the rest of the year? Um, I try not to look at it. You know, if I play hard and play to win, I feel like they all take care of themselves. I don't really think about personal goals that much. I just just want to win the SEC, honestly, and uh, go deep in the tournament. So, if it, I know if we do that, we get that far. I know I'm playing right, and I know the, the accomplishments will come. Hey, one more for you, Jabari. We'll let you go. We know you got to take off here. Um, how aware are you of all the cancellations that are going on with COVID right now? And how concerned are you as a player of where this sport is headed here in the next couple of weeks? Um, it's kind of scary. You know, it's kind of how it happened last year. Um, it's, I feel like this is a little earlier than it happened last year. But um, just the cancellations kind of make you think that, um, that something's going to change and like that. But all you can do is stay positive. Um, take it day by day and just just keep staying with your team, keep getting better with your team, and just enjoy it every day. Don't take no days for granted. Well, listen, Jabari, we appreciate the time. Thank you for being here. Uh, congratulations on the win and best of luck this season. Hopefully we can get you back on after another win uh, at some point later on this season. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to it. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. Take care. Appreciate it. Thank that was good. All right. Man, he's good. He is so freaking good. Really? Yeah, good. I, I told I told I someone today that I, I think I would take him with – I would take him over Chet. I, and I'm probably still going Paolo with the number one pick. I, I just – I love that dude's it's game. It's a conversation. But, it's yes, a legitimate it conversation now yeah. between the three of those guys, which is kind of fun to me. It's like they're all a little bit different. Um, but I think the one thing – the one thing that translates with all three of them, they all play with a high motor. They all play hard. They're all tough in their own way. Chet doesn't look it, but damn, is he tough defensively. And they're likable kids, too. Yeah. Like, that's the thing about it, right? Like, I, I feel like there's been – and maybe, Randolph, you could speak on this, but I feel like there's been a run of, like, the last four or five years where all of these elite prospects and all of these guys are going to be, like, top one, two, three, four, five, whatever picks. They're all just, like, likable guys. You know, you know, it's been a while you know, since we just had an asshole that was that was picked in the top three, right? But that's what I said. I tell kids the day of the asshole is over. Like mm-hmm. nobody's talking. <laughs> that's just the best way to say it. Yeah, I yeah. tell guys that the day of the asshole is over. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think you're right. I, I also think I, you know. College, what? Hold on, hold on. I'm going to have to disagree with that. We do have Jeff Goodman on this show. <laughs> So assholes still do have a chance. But he's a but he's an old school asshole. So it's different, right? He got people like us that got a little bit of asshole in us. That's why we all get along. We connect, so we can relate to it. Well, I think too. I think players change. Like in college, you don't get a lot of assholes. And then I've said this, and I said this to my daughter last night when we're at the Warriors game. Like Steph is like one of the few superstars that has not changed at all. I mean, he's just not. A lot of them do. Like I've known KD since he was fourteen. He's changed. There's no doubt. Like he has, like if you had ever told me that Kevin Durant would go at people on Twitter like he does and talk shit to fans for saying virtually nothing to him, I would have said you're out of your mind. So people change, but let's not get off topic. Uh, let's give Doss through the ball and uh, go ahead, Rob. Well, we we just mentioned Chet Holmgren. Uh, Gonzaga went out and picked up a nice 14-point win, a nice bounce-back win for a team that needed uh, – Something of a statement. They beat Texas Tech 69 to 55, despite the fact that Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren really did not do all that much. It was Andrew Nemhard and Razier Bolton and, and uh, Gonzaga's perimeter players that, that basically won that game for him. So, Randolph, how, how are you feeling about Gonzaga at this point in the year? Right, They have a couple losses, uh, but they are still a team that looks like they should be good enough to be able to compete for a Final Four. They're probably just going to roll through the WCC again. Uh, is this where, where, where does the Gonzaga stand in your mind? Listen, they, they, they're going to roll to the WCC, but I think we've seen them enough to know what they're going to be. They're going to be a tough outcome tournament time. You know, they, they're going to have enough versatility. They, the guard play is strong. They, they are, I mean, they have arguably the best two bigs playing together in the country. Those guys didn't play well today. They beat Texas Tech. I mean, I know Texas Tech's without their best player, without Terrence Shannon Jr. today, you know, but, but they're, they're a good team, and we know what they are. They're a great coach. They're, they're an elite program. Them and Baylor have been there. They're two best programs in the country the last two or three years. I, I don't think anything will change with those guys. I, I expect them to be right there at the Final Four 
with a shot to win it all again. Yeah, Goodman, you agree? Yeah, the, the sucky part now is, you know, after today, it's like NAU, North Alabama, yeah. San Diego, Loyola Marymount, San Francisco, Pepperdine, then BYU at home. And San Francisco is a good team, but they lost tonight. Um, I just I feel like it's it's just that tale of two seasons with Gonzaga. And we, right. we kind of forget about them. And then that's when people throw darts at them. Of they're not playing anybody. They're still really damn good. And the one thing that the WCC, it's it's better than it usually is. It's still not great, but it's better than it usually is. And I think actually Gonzaga has a lot of things, unlike a year ago, that they need to work on. And right. we may see a different Nolan Hickman, for instance, coming out of the WCC. We're not even watching a lot of those games. And all of a sudden, three weeks later, we're going to see him play BYU. And all Nolan Hickman's going to be a completely different player. Why? Because he's getting 25, 30 minutes a game where he hasn't gotten that so far. And will and will Hunter Silas be another freshman that kind of right. slides in and be ended into the rotation kind of guy that helps them with a game or two down the stretch? I, I, he's a guy I think talented enough that could come on late because yeah. they're going to play. They're going to blow teams out, and those guys are going to exactly. get fifteen minutes a game. Yes, Anton Watson. We hope so. Watson's going to get a lot of time. Yes. Yeah, but that's that's not what what Mark you normally does. But what I will say is this: um, I understand like all the concerns about not playing anybody, and 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 there are. I think some legitimate reasons to believe that when you play uh, the caliber of competition, it's a step below you. You can kind of pick up some bad habits. Like you can get away with doing some stuff against Loyola Marymount that ain't going to work when you had to try to do it against Baylor. Right. But I'll, I'll just say this about the Gonzaga program. They've been in two of the last four national title games. They've been in three of the last four elite eights and they have been in one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, the last six sweet 16s. So like, they're still, they're still advancing in the tournament. They're still having success there. I, I don't know if any other program can say that they've been to the last six uh, Sweet 16. So yeah. the, the the runs are still there. I'm more concerned with whether or not this team is going to be able to put it together for six straight games on the defensive end before than anything else, right? Like we saw them against Alabama. We saw it a little bit against um, against Duke. Like you can – you can you can beat them up a little bit. Like I, I, that's that's my biggest concern. Will they be able to play defense at the level you need don't to be able to play defense Chet, to win a national title for six games? But don't you think Chet has been? He's so much better today. Like I saw him against Texas in person, and he was lost. And he is so much better today than he was three weeks ago. And three weeks from now, he's going to be so much better. Like he's just such a game changer defensively. Guys are so scared to go in there against him particularly as a help defender. I mean, his timing coming as a help defender is great. I, I actually this, Rob, who, what league would we put them in that we wouldn't feel like they would win? We talking about the WCC, they'd win the Big East. They'd win, you know, arguably they'd win, you know, ACC. Big Ten, maybe. I mean, Big yeah. Ten, for sure. I mean, yeah. Pac-12, I mean, maybe It'd because be right of Duke there. in the ACC. Like, every league in the country, they're right there that we can legitimately make an argument they win every league. So whether they're in the WCC or not, there's not a league out there that we wouldn't favor them to win. I, I don't know if I would favor them. to. Like, I think that Purdue's better than them. I think that I would probably still pick maybe. Baylor over them. But, like, mm-hmm. your, your point that they're, they're – like, they're a top five team in the country. Top five, Like, worst top eight, whatever, however you want to phrase it, right? So, I, yes, they're – they're really, really good. It's just, it's the, when you're, it's the fine margins of winning six straight, right? You can't have right. an off night in the in the elite tournament because someone's going to kick your ass. Like that's just, right. and and, and um, it, I, look again, it's it's you're you're kind of picking nits, but when you're talking about the teams at that level, like you got to kind of dissect it a little bit like that. There, I, my my biggest issue though, you mentioned Chet. All of the other best teams in the country have like big physical dudes in the post. So how much will his length be a factor if Zach Eady is, like, putting him through the basket stanchion and laying the ball in? You know what I mean? I, I think Timmy will guard him. How's Zach Eady going to – right, right. And how is Zach Eady going to guard him? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not very well. <laughs> so, it, I mean, it is tough because Chet can shoot it. I mean, his shot is – is it's better than Paolo's from three. It's smoother, no doubt. He can More put the record. Four. For the record, I'm just putting this out there. Paolo Bancaro right now is shooting. I looked it up today. 
Paolo Bancaro is shooting 34.2% from three. Chet Holmgren is shooting 33.3% from three. That is a fact. As of right now, Paolo Bancaro is a better three-point shooter at the college level. Than and that's fine. Listen, I'm just putting that out there. Neither one of them are great three-point shooters yet. I'm just telling you, if, 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 if it were me and I had to pick one of those guys to make a three at the end of the game, I would take Chet over Paolo. But they're, neither one's great yet. Um, both, if they work at it, they can be a high 30s three-point shooter, I think, in the NBA. But they got to work at it. You know what my favorite thing about uh, this Texas Tech game was? Um, Drew Timmy, when they played Texas – uh, went for what he had like 39 in that game, right? Yeah. 37. So, the guy that was the head coach at Texas, Chris Beard, is really close with the guy that is currently the head coach at Texas Tech, Mark Adams. And what did what did they do? They completely took away Drew Timmy and uh, Chet Holmgren, and they were able to keep it within 14 points. So, I, you know, I, I think the <laughs> advice is yeah, do whatever you can to take away Drew Timmy. Hey, it worked. You uh, you didn't get beat by Drew Timmy, you just you know gave up nine three pointers to Rasir Bolton and Andrew Nemhart. I laughed when I saw that. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's keep it moving. We do have an eye on this Baylor Oregon game. Uh, the Bears they were down by I think as many as ten points in the first half. They've pulled away a little bit. It is now sixty six fifty five with five minutes left in that one. Uh, so it looks like the uh, Baylor is going to hang on to that number one ranking, which is not something that has been easy to do in college basketball this season. So we're going to go into a quick little game called Call Your Shot, uh, and we're going to start with this. I want to know who ends up with fewer bids in this year's NCAA tournament. Is it the Pac-12 or is it the ACC? Randolph, you are an ACC guy. I'm going to you first on this one. I, I don't think it's close. I think it's the ACC. I think the <laughs> ACC, we, we don't know. I mean, we don't know how many bids. I, I know Duke is going to be in it. I have question marks with everyone else after that. I mean, I, 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 I don't want to sound like a homer. Wake's playing great. But I also know we hadn't had the toughest schedule to say, you know, non-conference schedule to say how good we are. I know we, we got a really good win on the road against Virginia Tech. But the league itself, everyone, Georgia Tech lost today. You know, I don't see it. Florida State has been the biggest disappointment in the league to me. Virginia, we don't know what we're going to get out of them. Uh, Pac-12, yeah, I I think the Pac-12 at least. We we know we're getting out of UCLA. We know we're getting out of Arizona and USC. We know we got those three. I I, I don't see those three teams in in the ACC. There's, I don't think that it's going to happen. But there is a very real world where the, the ACC ends up being a one-bid league and all you get is Duke in the NCAA. Like, that is not impossible. That's not, that is not impossible. Am I wrong? If we had to say right now, there's no way I could say five teams get in. Yeah. And we used to go eight to ten. And you, you would usually think it's going to be eight to ten. With the, with the non-conference schedule, the Big Ten ACC challenge and the way things have gone right now, losing to the Pac-12, I, I don't know if five teams get in. Listen, I, I tweeted earlier, if Carolina is the second best team, which everybody thought going into today, yes. North Carolina was the clear number two team, yep. then the league sucks. I've <laughs> said it again over and over and over. The league absolutely sucks. Louisville lost to Western Kentucky today. Now, I know they didn't Malik Williams, but Louisville's still not very good. They lost to Furman with Malik Williams. It shouldn't matter. Virginia's been awful. Miami sucks. BC sucks. Uh, Pitt stinks. I know they beat St. John's today without their best player. Georgia Tech stinks. NC State's no good. Notre Dame's not very – I mean, you can just go up and Third down the, line. the only one, again, Virginia Tech and Wake are the two right now that are like you want to believe in, but you don't know with Wake yet. Right. And Virginia Tech got off to kind of a rough start. But I trust – I actually trust both coaches, Mike Young and Steve Forbes. I, I think both will give them a chance. I just don't know. Listen, somebody's got to finish second and third in the ACC. If Virginia Tech can wake do, and they do it in, a, in dramatic fashion where it's clear cut, they could get three, maybe four in. To me, the Pac-12 already has three guarantees. Yep. That's the difference. You've yes. got UCLA, Arizona, USC that are virtual locks unless they suck in the Pac-12, which – Man, if they suck in the Pac-12, they got major issues. Yeah, <laughs> RC, RC, real quick before we move on, I want to ask you about Alondis Williams, your guy. Right. You I think, think he's been the best transfer guard in the country. I, I, I mean, his. I was blown away with his playmaking ability. I mean, when he's not scoring it, 
He's making plays. I thought he made the play tonight, the other night. Uh, drove it, kick it, found Isaiah Muses for the corner three oh. at the end. Uh, I, I think he's been as good as any transfer, but he's definitely right now. I mean, it's uh, no matter no matter the competition, no matter what you can say, just being objective about it, he's been the best transfer guard in the country. Yeah, that's that's why I'm I'm bullish on Wake Forest finishing second in the conference and maybe finding a way to get in the tournament is because of one. Rob, you had you you were bullish. You had Virginia Tech finishing second two weeks ago. You were you did, yeah, you did. Don't let me get away with that, Jeff. You had, no, well, you first of all, first of all, first of all, I had North Carolina finished the second in the league. Like I was, I was trying to stay after they beat up on Michigan. I was like, oh yeah, I'm all in. But apparently, like Michigan, Michigan might be the worst team in the Big Ten now. Like who knows. <laughs> Um, but yeah, if you give me Alondis Williams and, and how, how hard these kids are going to play for Steve Forbes, like that's, I mean, that's something that you want to buy into. All right. Next up on our uh, call your shot game, uh, Goodman, I'm going to you first on this one, partly because of the shirt that you're wearing, who <laughs> is the best team in the SEC? Man, I, I want to go with, with, with my boys now. I want to go with big blue nation, but I can't, I can't, I'm going with the crimson tide. I'm going with Nate Oates. Uh, love their guards. They just got they got so many good. I know. Listen, they've had two kind of weird losses, right? I own in Memphis. Now Ma- Memphis needed that. Like their backs were against the wall. That was their their Super Bowl of sorts. Um, but I, I just Quinterly's playing well. Shackleford can score. JD Davison's coming along. I, I like what they have up front. It's not great, but they know their roles. And Betty Ako's really talented. Um, so yeah, I, I would. I would go to me, Alabama. I trust them the most, even though they're they're kind of up and down. I think they'll kind of get that consistency and they'll get better defensively. RC, what do you think? I agree. I think it's Alabama. I, I, I don't know. I know LSU's undefeated, but their biggest win right now might be Wake Forest. Uh, and, and, and I don't know if they've beaten anyone worth noticing that. And so they're 11-0. But the wins that Alabama has, I, I think they stack up with anyone in the country. You know, I, I think they're bona fide. As we said this before, there's probably 10 teams in the country we're sure about, and they're one of the 10. Yeah, so I I can't go with Tennessee. I saw them against Villanova. I saw them against Texas Tech. I cannot back that team as winning anything. I'm not there yet buying into LSU. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go with Auburn here, um, mostly because I still think that they have a bump coming from right. Alan Flanagan when he gets back. I think that Jabari Smith is probably the best player in the league. Um, and, you know, with, with the way that they can defend, with the way that Walker Kessler can, uh, can, can protect the rim, and the fact that you can give me two guys that have a very real chance to be first-round picks. I know this question marks the point guard spot. I, I just give me the two first-round picks. The defense is going to get played for by a Bruce Pearl team. Um, and, and I, yeah, I like their, I like their upside. I think they have a real chance to win this league and I think they have a real chance to get the final four. I think you're crazy, but that's <laughs> not the first time I've heard that. All right. Uh, next up on call your shot. We're going with, uh, RC. I'm going to you first on this one. Who is the best team in the big East? Ooh, you know what? Um, I'm going to say Seton Hall. I, I think Seton Hall is the best. I, I love their guard play. I, I just think in the end of the game, I've just seen Bryce Aiken do it several times. They put the ball in his hand for him to make plays. He just – I've known him a long time. I'm a huge fan of his. He's finally healthy. They're well coached. They're tough. Um, and, and I'm a, and I'm also a fan of Ed Cooley in Providence. I just don't think they're going to – offensively, they can score enough points to beat teams, uh, long, you know, and in, in, in to win the Big East. But I, I like Seton Hall. I'm going with Seton Hall. I, I, I'm – I think this is a different year. I'm not going to – I'm going to get off the Villanova bandwagon. They've had some tough losses, and I just – I'm concerned about Villanova. They got 20-piece in back-to-back games, and Goodman yeah. right now is going to tell us about how Villanova is going to win the league. It's their league. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm actually going Xavier. I'm going I'm going X. X, baby. Uh, listen, they got the two toughest dudes in the league, Paul Scruggs and, and Zach Fremantle, and Fremantle's still not healthy. And, and they've been great out of the gates for the most part. I, I like how their pieces fit. They've got an elite shooter in Nate Johnson. Kobe Thank Jones you. has been good. Jack Nungy's been terrific. I mean, not good. Like, talk about a transfer that nobody really thought was going to do all that much. And part of why he's he's been that good is because Fremantle was out. But now you're seeing it. We asked uh, Travis Steele 
on the show, we asked him, you know, can you play Fremantle and, and Nunji together? And he said, yeah, I'm going to have to. I got to figure it out. They're, they're good enough that I got to figure that out. But I like X. I think, I think they're, they're really good and they're tough. And again, they don't have many holes. Yeah. I, it, it pains me to say it, but I do think that at this point, you probably have to give it to uh, Xavier. Um, I'm not ready to say it's Providence uh, and I'm not ready to, to jump on the Yukon bandwagon. Uh, after you mean the- off it or on it? Right, right. What do you mean? Yeah, on it? Which one? There's no You're wagon. On You're the only one on the damn wagon. I, I was, I was, I was the only one. I, I, I haven't bailed yet. I haven't bailed yet. But like you're hanging on for dear life was, onto the a, wagon. This was this was a a, a dispiriting day, um, a frustrating day. So we we if we don't have to talk about that. You're gonna drive me to hit the bottle. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's wrap things up. Um, I want to do winner of the day and loser of the day with you guys. Uh, this is pretty self-explanatory. You got one minute to explain to me, um, Jeff, who your winner of the day was today. I'm going Ed Cooley in Providence. I'm going against you. They went into UConn and, and got a win over a team that I, and I know again, without Adama Sinogo, it's a different team. And, and Tyrese Martin isn't completely healthy, although he looked pretty damn healthy, certainly towards the end of that game, how hard he was playing. But I, I think this was a statement win for a Providence team that has kind of been up and down over the last couple of years trying to figure, you know, find their way back to where they were when they were getting in the tournament. I think it was four straight years under Cooley. Um, I love Cooley. I, I love his enthusiasm. Um, and, and I think this Providence team has a chance to be an NCAA tournament team as long as they finish in the top five of the Big East they're in. They're in. They, they, have, they have four quad one wins right now yeah they won yes. at wisconsin they yep. beat texas tech at home they won at uconn and right now northwestern is a quadrant one win and they wow. beat them on a neutral i don't know if that's going to last but right now that is what it is so they're 11 and one they're uh, barring some kind of catastrophe they are going to the ncaa tournament yeah they're going to be in the tournament rc who is your winner of the day i would agree with providence but i'm going to go with i was really impressed with xavier today i, I think marquette's tough they're going to compete uh, I, the way they finished the game, they, they, they responded well at the end. Suggs and those guys were really tough down the stretch. They made plays. Uh, I was really impressed with them. I know I said I, I'm a huge fan, and I think Seton Hall will win the Big East, but I can't argue, you know, what, what the X is doing. And Xavier was, was really, really good. I thought they were, they were team of the day for me. So my, my winner of the day is Purdue. Um, I thought that they bounced back from a couple of, of tough performances to really make a statement like they that game against Butler today, it was it was never even close. I think they ended up winning by 30. It felt like they, they were up by 60 for the entire second half. Jay Nivey went six for six from three and was yeah. unbelievable. Um, I, they I, I mentioned this before, but for me, the struggles that they had against Rutgers and NC State were very much matchup related. And I think Matt Painter figured something out in the second half against NC State. So I, I I'll be very curious to see what happens the next time. They play a team that can defend them like that, but I'm going with Purdue, man. They they really made a statement. Uh, all right, I actually thought with- they defended better today. I thought that they were yes. intentful in their defense today. Yeah, the the only problem with that is it's uh, it's hard to judge how good you are defensively when you are defending this Butler team. Uh, yeah, right now, um, Jeff, I'm going to you first on loser of the day because I know you got something you need to get out. So uh, talk to me about your biggest loser today. <laughs> I mean, it's Arkansas fans, and particularly the Arkansas fans that came at me. Uh, a few weeks ago for not putting Arkansas in the top 25 when they had beat up on a bunch of uh, tomato cans uh, throughout the first part of the season to go nine and no uh, Mercer Gardner Webb, Northern Iowa that really hadn't done anything. And AJ green was in his third game, Kansas state, uh, a rebuilding Cincinnati team, Penn central Arkansas, little rock and Charlotte. And they beat most of those at home. And then they lost to Oklahoma uh, last Saturday which no shame in losing to Oklahoma um, on the road, uh, neutral game, I'm sorry. But then today, Hofstra comes in, and Hofstra, man, they come in, they're flying out of D.C. And last night, and their flight gets canceled to Little Rock. So they had to stay overnight in D.C. Um, they wake up this morning, they get on a 10 a.m. flight, they arrive land in Little Rock at 1 o'clock, they get to their hotel, they take their naps, they go straight to the arena after that, and what do they do? They beat Arkansas 
So now Arkansas has nothing on the resume. Again, mm-hmm. it's the SEC, so they're going to have a chance, to, plenty of wins there that, that they can build their resume and get in the NCAA tournament. The only thing I'll say is, hey, Arkansas fans, no, you shouldn't be ranked. Probably not in the top 50. Forget the top 25 right now. You're not even the top 50. <laughs> Go ahead, Randall. Oof. You can follow that one up. <laughs> I'm going to let Jeff cool off a little bit for that one, but not. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> You know what, I'm, I'm Rob. I'm, you, hold you're on, not gonna on. like this. You feel better you're now? Not, you're, like, you're not gonna like what. Get that out. You're not. You're not gonna like what I'm going with this. But I, I, I'm my loser today was the, the the guard play of UConn, and I think early on we we were raving about the depth and what we thought they were gonna be. I, today they concerned me. I, I was. I, I thought they were predictable. I didn't think anybody wanted the ball but R.J. Cole at the end of the game, and I think it made them easier to guard. Uh, they just didn't perform well. I, mean, I know not everyone's ready for situational basketball right now. It's relatively early in the season, and you tend to fine-tune those things over the Christmas break and over the Thanksgiving break, but I, I, I wasn't impressed with their guard play, and I thought that was a strength of UConn today. So I was I was really – I think they were the loser today for me. Yeah, I mean, the so my, my take on that is that Without Adama Sanogo, they are exceptionally predictable. They they built their offense around being able to get the ball to him in the post and kind of running right. stuff off of him. Uh, and when he's not there, they, their offense is – I mean, they have a ton of sets. Almost all of those sets are finding a way to get Tyler Polly or Jordan Hawkins off of pin downs, finding a way to get R.J. Cole off of a ball screen or off of a dribble handoff. Um, and what Providence did was, like, they switched everything and yep. really pressured out on the perimeter and took away passes and wouldn't let you kind of rotate the ball and just kind of stop, didn't really guard the paint because you kind of didn't have a, the, anyone down right. there to get the ball to. And it took them out of everything that they wanted to do. And you kind of saw them a couple times, like they got Isaiah Whaley for like three or four slips, but their offense is just, it's already kind of stagnant in the half court. And when you don't have that pressure release of Adama Sanogo to throw it to him on the block, like it just, it can really get bogged down if you defend them the right way. So um, they need they need a Dama back, man. And they also like they just need to get some guys some confidence. Like you know how it yeah. is. Like yeah. they, Jordan Hawkins needs to see like three or four jumpers. Go He's the key. He's he the key. Is. He's the guy. He's too talented to be. I think yep. he had one point today. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He had one point today. I'm looking at his stats now. He had one free throw today. He was zero for three in all threes. And I was and that's what I meant. I, they were switching. I didn't see the effort to even blow by a guy or drive a guy. I, I just saw them settle, give it up, give it up, look for RJ, and just put so much pressure on him. They were just predictable at, at the end of the game, and I think they'll look back to that. I, I know they'll get better. They're too talented not to, but they look lost without a dominant day. I mean, they 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 really struggled without him. Yeah, they Who you got Rob. Who's your loser? Back. My my loser of the day. I'm going with a different Big East team. The St. John's Red Storm. I didn't. I know they didn't have uh, the Champagne kid, wow. but they. How dare you? At home to the Pitt Panthers, <laughs> who came into this game at three and seven on the season. You can't. You can't. You, you can't lose at home to Pitt. You cannot lose at home. Not to if Pitt. you want to be a tournament team. No. Well, there, there's no. There, like, I mean, I don't want to say there's no chance because they can. There's plenty of opportunities for them to do right. stuff. Um, in, uh, in in Big East play. Like, the Big East could legitimately get, like, seven or eight teams in the tournament this year if things play out the right way just because of how many bids that aren't going to go to these other – like, the A-10 is a one-bid yeah. league. The ACC is, like, a two- or three-bid league. Pac-12 is a three-bid league. The American Wichita State lost at home to North, North Texas today. So that, like, is what, like, a, a, a two-bid league if Memphis can find a way to figure it out. So bids got to come from somewhere. The Big East might get eight. And St. John's yeah. is not going to be one of them when you have wins over. I'm going to read them to you. Ready? Mississippi Valley State, St. Peter's, Fairleigh Dickinson, St. Francis, New York, NJIT, Fordham, Monmouth, and Colgate. Their best win right now. Monmouth. Colgate. Uh, Colgate. Monmouth. But, but, but to be that, fair. The but, argument but, we're but, having. But, the argument we're having is your best win is Monmouth or Colgate. And Biggie's <laughs> you're in trouble. But to be fair, late in that game, I thought Posh got fouled driving the ball to the basket, and they didn't get the call. And True. it ended up going. And it ended up going to Pitt, and Pitt got the ball 
and 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 you know to score, and they end up winning losing the game. I thought if they had called that foul, which it legitimately was, I think it's a different game, maybe a different but, outcome. Who knows? But 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 what I'll say to that is, you should have never been in. It that shouldn't have been that situation. No doubt, no doubt. Right. No and, doubt. and also, did you see? Did you see the the foul that Posh got where he threw a pump fake? And stepped about four feet in and leaned in on the dude and drew the foul. Like that he was, got the lead call, man. He got the man, old school Baylor, lead call, man. They guys, before we before we college. sign off, Baylor stays undefeated, ten and zero. They beat Oregon uh, in Oregon. Someone is going to be number one for two weeks in a row, Jeffrey. Yeah. That's a big day, big day for Scott True. He might be my winner of the day. <laughs> he got ranked number one and didn't end up losing. <laughs> uh, before you before you sign us off, Rob. Uh, everybody, make sure you you follow us on uh, on the YouTube After Dark channel in case Rob forgets to mention that. Uh, one other housekeeping uh, deal, fieldof68apparel.com. If you want to get uh, the shirt that Rob is uh, wearing or any other apparel from the Field of 68, uh, make sure you get a fieldof68apparel.com. Good teams win and great teams cover. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we got to get a Randolph Childress jersey. On I know. There. I need it. I need it. I, I need I need a what I need is a Randolph Childress T-shirt of him waving bye bye to uh, to Jeff McGinnis when he's laying uh, on the floor. <laughs> no, we can't get that. I don't know. I can't find out, but I don't know if I can get that one. <laughs> well, listen, this was fun for Jeff Goodman for Randolph Childress. My name is Rob Dawson. This was the Field of '68 After Dark.